back to Inclusive and Online with Kate and Dan. I'm Kate. And I'm Dan. We wanted to focus our final episode of the year on looking back on what we've learned and where we want to go from here. And in light of that, we'd like to welcome our production assistant, Kayla, to a larger speaking role on the podcast. Welcome to the main stage, Kayla. Thank you, Dan. I'm happy to be here. In keeping with the theme of our podcast, inclusivity, we felt that there were a few changes we wanted to make upon further reflection to make our podcast itself more inclusive. To start, we wanted to include Kayla in more of our episodes to elevate her valuable insights. Not only that, we felt a name change would make sense. We're no longer going to go by inclusive and online uh, with Kate and Dan, and will henceforth be known simply as the Inclusive and Online Podcast. Although I feel as though I've always been included in the podcast, it feels really nice to be more involved. Absolutely. We thought a great way to wrap up this first season would be to do a clip show where we each pick some of the favorite moments that we had throughout the show or some of the aha moments that we had uh, throughout the past year, because, you know, like our listeners, we've learned so much. We've learned a lot in talking with our guests and wanted to highlight some of the key things um, from our opinion that that really stood out to us, though we can't mention everything and all the aha moments uh, because we could be here all day. I thought that uh, we'd let Kate start first and share, you know, one of the more impactful moments that she had uh, during the course of this first season. So, Kate, the floor is yours. Thanks, Dan. So when I was thinking about what clips might be interesting to share on the show, I really wanted to kind of reach back to earlier on in our seasons and go back to our third episode, um, Digital Accessibility with Ray Holston-Turner. And I found this episode as a whole to be pretty impactful because it was our first episode in which we really shared a student perspective and student experiences. Um, So I picked this clip with Ray talking a little bit about some of the intersectionalities that she experienced um, being a deaf student and a black student um, and how those kind of impacted her experience. So I'm going to go ahead and share that clip with you now brought out the uh, intersectionality between race and disability and how that's impacted you as well, because I know that that can really impact the differences. And I think it's important on this podcast for us to be mindful of those intersections as well. So I appreciate you bringing up that point. Yeah, no problem. It's definitely something that a lot of people don't realize exists. Like I said, especially because of the fact there's so many stereotypes on both ends. It's like, oh, you must not be deaf because you talk or, oh, you're black. So you do this. Like it's so many different stereotypes. And when you have kind of both, you fit in both categories. It's so much more difficult to an extent. Yeah, it's not impossible, but it is difficult at times, though. I love that we we came into this wanting to talk about digital accessibility and accommodations. And you know, we bring up the point of intersectionality as well. So I, I'm really glad that that's come up. So I, I really thought that this clip is kind of, a, a, it was really a turning point for us in our podcast. And I think how we kind of were shifting our views and, and it was still early on, I think when we were developing what we wanted this podcast to be. And one of the things that was such a standout moment for me in this episode was really shifting our focus specifically from we're talking about the digital accessibility principles, we're talking about the online learning world, which we are, but really all of these ways that online learning intersects with these other areas of students' lives. And and I thought that was kind of poignant to bring up on today's episode. Yeah, I I recall this conversation happening and and that shift going in that direction. I've enjoyed having the students on to share their perspective as well, because 
they have a really strong voice on our campus. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's why we're here. We're here to support the students. We're here to help them, you know, shape their story, shift their story, you know, in the direction that they want to see, you know, their own growth happen and in the way they want to see the campus community grow as well. So I, I agree with you. I think that was uh, a smart choice to really, you know, talk about how the show shifted from that point forward and how our perspectives and how we approached sh uh, shaping each episode also shifted with that. I really appreciated Ray as a guest as well, just in that she had so much insight into her experiences as a deaf student and how that impacted her both in the classroom and in the online in the online realm. Um, and really going back and listening to that episode, just seeing all of those different intersections between, you know, her identity as a student, her identity as a Black student, her identity as a Deaf person, and how all of those kind of played these unique roles and how she was experiencing her educational experience. I've always enjoyed any episode with student experience, and this one in specific really stood out to me because it highlighted a student that um, was very different for myself and shared a different experience that I wasn't aware of. And I found it really insightful and just good to hear a different experience to show on the podcast. One of the things with that episode as well is I think that that Ray does bring a really unique perspective because there aren't a ton of students who have those same, I mean, there really aren't any students who have those same experiences that Ray has, although there, I'm sure there are students who can relate to those experiences. And I think when you come at it from a perspective of these instructors who are coming to our podcast to learn about these different perspectives of their students and, and how those students are experiencing their classes, I think this is a really good episode for instructors to, you know, start out with in, in learning how students are experiencing their classes online, how students are experiencing their classes, you know, in the physical classroom. Um, so this is one that I would definitely suggest that if anybody hasn't listened to it, to go back and listen and, and hear about those intersections. It is interesting because when we look at intersectionality and we look at the different ways that we identify with the world i can look at the same situation much more differently depending on you know which part of my identity is most prevalent there is it you know me as a father is it me as a you know, as a you know son me as an employee to be able to have those different perspectives i mean learning the stories of other people and gaining some insight on their perspective and how they see things really is, you know, I, I think something that we're learning to do well and that we're going to continue to explore with this show. Yeah, going forward, I think continuing to elevate the student voice and continuing to, you know, bring these diverse perspectives onto the show, I think is going to make this a, a really rich resource with a lot of great information for people. Absolutely. So uh, I think that was a a very cool pick. It was nice to be reminded of that. I do remember being moved in the moment when that was happening as well. So we've covered so much ground you know, in the last year that uh, this was a nice reminder. Well, Kayla, we know that you're brand new to the, the hosting game, but you've been here all along with us listening sometimes in the background and, and assisting in all the ways that we've, we've asked of you. Uh, we wanted you to share a, a clip 
that was meaningful to you as well. So what have you got for us today? So I decided to include an episode from our international experience, a student experience episode. And um, specifically, we I included a clip with um, a previous employee from our office, Dasha. And um, I just thought it was a really insightful clip to share, especially for students, um, just to know that they can reach out to any faculty or support offices here for help. So I'll play that right now. And uh, find ways to make it work. I remember when I was a freshman, I took this history class and my English skills weren't good enough to take that class. And um, I communicated with my professor. I explained him what I'm struggling with. And he helped me throughout the whole semester. He, he, prepared me for, he prepared me for the final exam. He didn't even give me the answers, right, or anything, but he did guide me in the right direction to pass that final exam. And now looking back, you know, if I didn't reach out to him, if I didn't explain um, that I needed help, I probably would have failed that class. Well, I decided to include that clip because I just felt a personal connection to it. And not only because I worked with Dasha, but because I've struggled in classes myself and I failed to reach out to my instructors in the past. I've learned from that mistake, but I feel like this was um, an important piece to share. So I because I'm sure there's other international students who have felt this as well, aside from international students, just like normal students who need accommodations. So I just wanted to share it to like urge any students who need help to reach out to their instructors or our disability support office. Yeah, I think that was a really interesting choice, Kayla. And and I completely agree with you because I think that there is that level of intimidation sometimes for students when they're reaching out to an instructor to ask for help. Um, it, it is kind of a vulnerable position to be in. Um, and I think that there's an there's a couple of elements at play there, right? Like the instructor needs to be in a place where they're creating that safe space for the student to reach out and and be willing to put themselves in that vulnerable position and say, you know, hey, I need help. But there is there is that leap of confidence on the end of the on the part of the student as well, who's in this position of saying, I I do need something and I do want to be successful and I do need to reach out to someone to support me along on that journey. Most of the jobs that I've done in higher education and prior to that are a lot of say customer support or client support, whatever you want to list that as. I completely agree. I think that as a culture, uh, I don't know if this is just American culture or if it's just the education system, whatever it may be. We hear it a lot. I don't mean to bug you. Sorry to bug you. You know, I, I don't want to bug you. It's like, well, you know, you're not bugging me. This is, you know, what my role is here. This is what my job is here. But we feel bad sometimes asking for help. Like it's, you know, I'm inconveniencing you by coming to you for the thing that you're actually here to assist me with. And in some of the different groups that uh, and committees that I'm on around campus, like the student uh, athlete uh, academic support committee, and there's another uh, academic support committee out there in general, I just, I came up with a quick acronym for bug. And that, you know, it takes bravery to come forward and admit, hey, I need some help, whether that's just on a math problem or if it's with your own, you know, mental wellness. Um, for you, there's some understanding. 
it's, you know, there's got to be some mutual understanding here that, you know, this is a, a two way street and that we're helping each other out in, in trying to move forward to G growth is that this is a growth opportunity as well. It can be something as simple as I'm struggling with this one concept to I'm struggling with everything. And part of what I'm trying to push forward with some of these committees is a campaign asking students to bug me, please. Yes. Come bug me. Don't feel badly about asking to use the services that you you are absolutely you know, entitled to use. This is all part of that full experience for you. So I, I'm glad you pulled that clip out there as well and pointed out that we we are here to help you. Please bug me. Please bug me because it takes some strength to be able to do that. And uh, it's certainly not an indicator of weakness. I can totally relate to what you're saying there because I'm very, very guilty of that. Oh, I'm so sorry to bug you when, when really I'm, what I'm reaching out for is something that is within the realm of, of this person's role. And it's typically something that that person is, is very happy to provide. And so one of the things that I've done personally to try and reframe that for myself is in whenever I catch myself trying to say, oh, I, I'm sorry for doing this, I, I try and reframe that. And sometimes that'll be, you know, if I'm typing an email instead of saying, I'm sorry to, I will say, thanks for your time in, you know, because I do, I appreciate the assistance that someone is providing, but at the same time, I don't want to take it upon myself as I am not a burden and you are not a burden for asking for help. I definitely find myself doing that as well, Kate. And I feel like sometimes even you stop me at work from doing that. So I can relate with that. And um, I myself do have accommodations with our disability support office. And I just feel like it took me so long to actually get to that point where I'm like, oh, I should go ask for help because I'm struggling and my professors clearly cannot see why there's like a disconnect or why there's an issue. But now that I reached out and I got my accommodations after having taken so many college classes, um, it's definitely helped help me. And I think that any student shouldn't be struggling like that. It's not worth it. <laughs> You're paying so much money to go to school. You might as well get the most out of your education. Yeah, and to that point, we have a lot of resources for students. We have resources for staff, for faculty. So we're at, whatever it is that you're struggling in, seeking out some of that assistance as well. I've done some of that myself with my own mental well-being. It's just, you know, in the last few years, there's been a lot of change. I've got, you know, two kids. COVID happened the way that I work, the way that I live, that's a lot. A lot has changed and it's okay to ask for help. Uh, Kate's approach, I think, is a good one. You know, come from a position of, you know, you know being thankful that they are there to, to lend you a hand. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, you know, more people can come, come around to this concept because it's, when you start off by saying something like, hey, I'm really sorry. Yes, you might you know, come from a vulnerable position, but it's not an apologetic position. I want you to come help. I want you to get that help. So whether it's staff who are struggling, you know, there are resources out there for our staff, for our faculty, whether it's you know, difficulty creating a lesson for a week or if it's difficulty with a lecture or if it's just difficulty with the sheer amount of, you know, activity that you have going on entirely around you. There's there are a, a bevy of resources available here at the university. And you can actually look at the student and faculty tabs at the top of Moodle to find many of these resources. So I, I hope more people are seeking them out beyond just the academic side of things, but for those personal and, and mental well-being 
uh, aspects as well. I think we've had some great discussions so far, and I think that this is definitely a um, a time of great change. And I think that that is reflected in in um, kind of the life that we see around us, the university as a whole, and even the growth and development of our podcast. Um, there's there's just been so much change, and and I think a lot of people are coming from that vulnerable position. I'd love to hear what clip you chose, Dan. Sure thing. There is a lot to think about with this. And I just know that one thing that really stuck out to me, again, from the international uh, student episode, I also selected a clip uh, from there. You know, nearly half of my career was spent in student financial aid. So when I hear stories related to that, it really piques my interest because I've heard some of these stories before, but then I'm hearing them from different angles. And when you're not in a financial aid office, sometimes I think you hear a more authentic version of what's actually happening than when you're uh, in the financial aid office, because there can be some feelings of, um, I guess, some intense feelings of whatever it may be, because it is financial related. And, you know, some people have more than others. That's, you know, nothing that we can fix in the financial aid office. But there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of legal, you know stuff that goes into uh, getting financial aid. So when I heard this clip from Gracie and her experience, I was really moved by this. Being on age four, I'm not eligible for FAFSA. I can't, I don't have a social security number. I can't work. And seeing my peers, even growing up in high school, be able to do FAFSA, be able to work small jobs. I was like, I wish I could do that. I really do wish I could do that because I've lived in America most of my life. So I have all the other experiences of here, except things for me to like work and for me to pursue an education of a higher degree. So that one was really touching to me is that this is, you know, a a bright student, great personality, who wants to work, who wants to have these things, but cannot simply because, you know, she was born overseas, but has lived the vast majority of her life here in the United States. By all accounts, that just seems strikingly odd in that there's no social security number there. She cannot apply for jobs to have the types of internships that lead to, you know, somebody who leaves the university as, you know, a highly sought after employable, you know, person in in their profession. So it's just, uh, I found that uh, shocking to say the least, because it never even occurred to me that the students who don't have a social security number don't get those experiences. And this is a student who, you know, some international students will come to the United States to get their education and then go back home and and bring that back. That's not the case with this student. And it's, uh, to me, it's heartbreaking that she's not able to have those types of experiences to really make for a full round educational experience. Yeah, I think part of it with Gracie is that people will look at Gracie and and see, you know, the vast majority of the students experience has been living in the United States, even though she is a, an international student. And I think part of the complexity that's going on here is that is that we do assume certain things about um, the student's life based on, on what we can see. And a lot of that is just not true. Like a lot of us just can't know what's going on under the surface, which is, I was so appreciative of her being willing to kind of share those experiences because it was an experience that I was not very familiar with. And I didn't really have a concept of how some of those things might impact her. Um, so I thought that that was very, very, courageous um, and generous of her to be able to come on here and and share her experiences. Hearing Gracie's perspective um, 
honestly was kind of heartbreaking because it just as a student myself and being able to have all of these experiences, like working at the e-learning office and working on this podcast. And if I wanted to have an internship, I could get an internship and all of these opportunities that are right at my fingertips. Um, and seeing Gracie, who's also a business student like me, not have those opportunities, just being like being available just simply due to these circumstances that she didn't choose to have was just really sad to me because I it just seeing how much she wanted to be involved in campus life and how much she wanted to be involved with like a job or anything like that was just so sad to hear <laughs> yeah and some of those experiences too it's you know it might be some of the you know financial things you learn by having a job when I was 14 I got my first job and that was the first time I had a little bit of money that was Mine. And of course, I spent it irresponsibly on probably, you know, popping candy and nonsense and hanging out with my friends. But I got to have that experience. I didn't, you know, I didn't have to, you know, jump through any hoops other than apply for a job uh, in my small town and, you know, everybody. So you get the job because they know who you are. You know, she missed out on a lot of that. And, you know, I, I would use that for social activities. I'd use the money for social stuff. I would buy my own clothes. I would do those kinds of things. And, you know, you're really missing out on some of those experiences, especially in high school, uh, you know, when a lot of stuff like that, you know, matters, you know, more highly than it does say in my age. Uh, but, you know, many of those things she's she's missed out on in, in some ways. At least I feel like it was an opportunity that could have been had that uh, unfortunately government regulations and visa regulations are getting in the way of that. Even when you're just thinking about it from a learning and growth perspective, there are there are a lot of people who do have the opportunity to, you know, learn how to manage their own money and and learn those things at an earlier age. And that's just a, a simply another barrier to learning some of those things is not having the opportunities to work and not having the opportunities to, you know, have internships, college employment, student employment. There's a lot of things that can be gained through those experiences. And it's it's hard to to hear that that's something that is not accessible to a certain population of students. Right. And it's fortunate she is part of the, uh, I think, the, the dance team here at OU. So, I mean, there are some aspects of teamwork and collaboration that can be learned that way. But again, it's, you know, the financial aspect of things. And that's a big, a big difference between, uh, having some kind of financial literacy coming into college and having, you know, no financial literacy. And by no way am I saying that Gracie doesn't have any of that stuff. It's just that she's not the only international student who's going through many of those experiences. I mean, overall, I know we've learned a lot and that we've grown a lot over the course of this podcast. Beyond the content, we've also learned a lot about how to produce a podcast. And, uh, I'd just like to extend my thanks to both of you and just say I'm incredibly proud of the work that uh, we've all done and the growth that you have both demonstrated in this uh, exercise over the past year. And I really look forward to see what season two has in store. I absolutely agree. This has been such a growth experience and and a really great way to kind of engage in in. I think our own professional development and understanding of the environment in which we live and work. So looking back on, on the season as a whole, it's it's really been a wonderful growth experience for me personally, and I hope for the two of you as well. 
I wanted to thank both of you as well for including me on this podcast and thinking of me. I've really enjoyed my time and I'm excited to have more of a speaking role next up, uh, next season. <laughs> so to wrap up for today, we'd like to thank ourselves for joining us today. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify under our upcoming new name, The Inclusive and Online Podcast. We value your feedback and your ratings and reviews will help others discover our show. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Inclusive Online Pod. And if you'd like to get in touch with us with your ideas, feedback, or requests to collaborate, you can send us an email at inclusiveonlinepod at gmail.com. And special thanks to our new co-host, Kayla Yuga. We'll be back in the new year with season two. Until then, we hope you feel included. Thank you.